Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. God, we recognize, Lord, your presence here in this place with us. God, we thank you for this, this beautiful space, this beautiful day. God, we thank you for Long Grove, uh, this town, Lord God, which uh, just welcomes us, Lord, here to host one of our services. God, we just pray for each business here, for each person, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, that you would just continue to let your hand rest upon this place, that you would pour out your blessings and your spirit, Father God, amongst the people here. God, we recognize going through uh, just so many difficulties and trials, Lord God, over the past year, year or so. God, just that you have been present, that your strength, your your mercies have, have flowed, Lord God. And God, we hear story after story, Lord God, how just many of the businesses have been able to continue on and just how the community has drawn together. And Lord God, we're thankful to be a part of this community. And so God, we just pray, Lord, that you would just have your way in this service. We thank you for every person, Lord God, within the sound of my voice, Lord they can hear this message, Lord God, we pray, Lord, just that you would just speak to them, that you would bless them, and God, we just thank you for what you have in store. We thank you for this wonderful day and for this time. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, you can go ahead and be seated. Hopefully you have a seat. Um, there's a lot of grass available. There's some benches. Um, I don't know if we have any chairs left. Uh, I tell you, you know, looking out today and just seeing all of you, uh, one of my favorite colors right now is red. <laughs> uh, somebody got the memo out, and I love it. It's so great to see all of you sporting our T-shirts um, and just uh, what that represents, too, to so many people uh, choosing to serve and to volunteer, and we are just grateful. And we could not do the ministry here uh, without wonderful people like yourselves. Uh, for those of you who may be visiting or passing by, my name is Del. I'm the, I serve as the senior pastor here at Long Grove Community Church. And uh, it's really great to be out here. This is actually my first time out here. Um, so it's, it's really exciting to be here and to be in this space. I love it. Um, I am praying just that that breeze would keep kind of blowing through every now and then because uh, that humidity is really dialed up today, isn't it? So, um, so anyway, just hopefully you're in a cool spot and you're able to, to relax there a little bit. Um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to uh, go to a book today that um, many of you maybe haven't visited too often in the, in the Bible. Uh, it's in the middle of the Old Testament. It's a book called Ecclesiastes. Uh, this is not going to be part of our sermon series. This is going to be kind of a standalone sermon today. Uh, we, as you know, we've been doing this series unfinished, and we'll, we'll jump back into that next week. But today is just going to be kind of a standalone message <clears throat> from the book of Ecclesiastes. I went ahead and uh, I took the liberty, you know, we're not live streaming today, so Leanna is not present. She's in good health. <clears throat> but as I was preparing this week, I really felt like we should maybe change up our baby's name. And uh, I think I'm going to push for Ecclesiastes uh, for our new son. Yeah, it is funny because I'm totally joking. I don't think that would fly. Um, but Ecclesiastes. So it's a thought. If you, know, if you have a, a baby on the way here in the near future or no one, I think you should throw out Ecclesiastes as a consideration because it's just fun to say, isn't it? So anyway, uh, it is in the Bible, though, and if you can uh, turn there, whether it's your phones, uh, a lot of the references I'll be using today are on the online bulletin, so if you're there, th those should be there as well. Um, but we're going to jump in there in just a moment, but again, Ecclesiastes is a book for a lot of people because there's so much uh, just imagery. It's kind, of, it's kind of a hard book to read, and it's, it can be a little depressing, too, if you don't really understand what's going on because it just seems like... Uh, the message overall is that everything is vain. Everything is just like, what's the purpose or what's, what's the reason? And so um, we're going to unpack just a little bit today as we jump in here. But uh, another famous part of Ecclesiastes, uh, has anybody ever heard of the band The Birds? I know some people have. You may not have heard of DC Talk, but you better have heard of The Birds 
because I'm sure you guys have been around for a minute. Anyway, if you've heard of the song, Turn, 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 anybody heard of that song? I'm not singing it for you. If you haven't heard of it, you can check it out. But did you know that it comes from Ecclesiastes 3? Ecclesiastes chapter 3, if you look at it, that is the lyrics for the song, Turn, Turn, Turn. So that's kind of a little bit of information for you, and maybe that'll get you to, to check out Ecclesiastes and, and maybe the birds as well. So um, anyway, it's a, it's a good song. You can listen to that, and it talks about the many seasons we face in life. So today we're going to be uh, at the end of chapter 1 of Ecclesiastes and, and the beginning of chapter 2, or actually much of chapter 2. And, you know, there's a lot of things in life, and how many know this, we probably all do, that we can choose to fill our lives with many different things, can't we? We have many opportunities as we go through our day and, and through our years and, and through our lives to, to what are we going to fill our lives with. <clears throat> I have a picture up here. I don't know if you can see where you're at. Um, it's a picture, and if I take it, you want me to pour it over my head? I don't know how well you can see it, but maybe a bug in there or something. Is there anything in this picture? Are you convinced? Maybe it's frozen. It's going to come out. But, but this is... You would say this picture is what? Empty, right? Empty. And, you know, I, I was thinking about this as a, how, how can I kind of summarize or illustrate maybe kind of what we're talking about today? And I think there's another way to explain the contents of this picture or how we would describe this picture. Would it be a, be a fair statement to say that this picture is full of emptiness? Right? is full of emptiness. And actually, that's, that is the title of the sermon today because I believe that there's a lot of people today in the world, and I, I talk to a lot of people, and I get a chance to just hear their stories, and so many people in the world today are full of emptiness. They're full. They would, you know, they, they're busy. They have a lot of things in their life, but, you know, you talk to them, they're going through their lives, and they just feel like, they just say, I, I just feel empty inside. A lot of these people, you know, people that don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, it, they go through life and they're just like, something's just not quite there. It's, it's just, I'm full, but full of emptiness. And, and that's kind of the thought as we, we, we ease in today into this, this book of Ecclesiastes. Um, just to give you a little bit of background on the book of Ecclesiastes, it's, it's considered part of what's called the wisdom literature in the Old Testament. The wisdom literature is Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. And so those three books of the Old Testament are considered that's what they call the wisdom literature. The author of uh, Ecclesiastes is a person named Unknown. It's kind of a joke. It's okay. You guys are a hard crowd today. I'm hot. You're hot. It's okay. So anyway, we don't know who, who wrote it exactly. It's, it's an author. Written, it's written by someone, but we're not sure exactly who. Um, the main character of, of this, this book, though, is, is what they would call, or they call in the, in the, the scriptures, a teacher. And some think it's talking about King Solomon. Other people think it's a, maybe another descendant of David. Um, or other people just think it's maybe like this persona adopted by an Israelite teacher for the sake of teaching uh, kind of the, the message of the book. But in any case, it's, it's an author, but, but much of the book is from the perspective of this teacher teaching. Much like we're sitting here today as if, you know, it, we're talking about myself teaching you today. It's kind of that same sort of image that, that's presented. A term that's, that, that appears, though, in, in this book, and it's a term that we need to talk about, and it's, it's referring to this teacher, is it comes from the Hebrew, which, which is pronounced kol, colette, okay, colette. And colette is, is, is translated teacher or preacher, 
and you see it see this person named throughout the book but uh, we see that that they're addressing these these listeners and so it's again it's it's a term that we'll we'll see we'll see them referenced many times not today but if you read through and and throughout the entire book of Ecclesiastes there's three main observations three main observations of of things that you and I and anybody that walks this earth have to deal with. Doesn't matter what your social status is, doesn't matter what's in your bank account or what's not in your bank account, doesn't matter the size of your home. Three things that they touch on, and the first one is time, all right? Some of you, you know, we all deal with time, don't we, all right? Some of you are still working out what time the service starts, but that's okay, there's grace and we love you and we're glad you're here. But you know, we all deal with time, don't we? Time is something that we, we are in we're, throughout our life. It is measured by time, time on this earth. Every single day is marked by time. We, we, we measure every second, every minute. And none of us can escape time, can we? It's just part of the deal. Uh, the, the second thing in Ecclesiastes that it, it talks about is death, is death. And there's not a, again, doesn't matter. You can prolong it. <laughs> you can dodge it a few times maybe, but it's sooner or later we're all going to have to walk across that threshold, aren't we? It doesn't matter. Even Lazarus, I mean, you heard of Lazarus, right? He was raised from the dead. Is he still walking the earth today? No, he had to cross that door twice, actually, right? <laughs> so every, every single one of us have to face this, have to look at it, and Ecclesiastes addresses this as one of the, the things as well. And the last one, <clears throat> and this one's a tough one, I think, for a lot of people, is, is something called life's randomness. Life's randomness. You know, I had to, uh, I performed a, a funeral service yesterday for a, a middle-aged woman that was, she was murdered, and her life was cut short by a senseless act of violence, and she was full of life, full of love, a very good person, as you would, we would say, from all aspects, didn't deserve that necessarily, and, you know, the family's kind of left just with the question, Why? You know, you have very bad people on this earth that seem to just live forever and, and never seem to, to face, you know, the consequences of their decisions. And then you see somebody like this who's just living her life the best she can and, and, and being a blessing to many, and, and yet it's cut short so quickly. And so we see this, don't we, from time to time where we see, you know, rain fall here on this person, but this person's dry, or we see some, you know, really uh, challenging event happen to someone, and you, just, you ask why. And so life at times can seem a bit random, which brings me to one other term before we kind of delve into the, 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 the body of, of what we're going to talk about today. But there's another term that's used throughout Ecclesiastes. In fact, it's used 38 times, and it's this word hevel. It's, it's, that's the original word, hevel, from the Hebrew, but it's translated in most translations as vanity. Uh, other translations say meaningless or absolute futility. Another way to tr uh, translate it is temporary or fleeting. And so, you know, throughout the scripture, depending on the translation you're reading in Ecclesiastes, we, we hear this phrase that life is meaningless. Life is meaningless. And what we can do is if we read in kind of with our translation and what we think of that term meaningless, we can misunderstand what's being said. Um, it, it's probably better to, just, to say it rather than meaningless, and what the author is trying to get across is that it's literal meaning, it's, it means breath, or perhaps this breeze, everybody feel the breeze right now? Or, or a vapor, because we know that this breeze is going to stop probably here in a minute, right? It, it, it passes through and then it, it, it wanes, 
Um, anybody ever been in an airplane before? Okay. Yep. Um, hopefully it was a, a good experience. I'm, I'm glad you're here. So apparently it landed okay. But if if you get into an airplane and you're you're out there flying, it's still to this day. I, I know in my head the the truth. But from when I was a kid and I first went on my first airplane ride and. Um, and when you go up in the airplane, you get above those clouds. It can be funny because it can be like dark down here. It can be like rainy. But something, when you get above those clouds and you look out and you see just that as far as you can see these clouds, and it looks like you could just almost just step out the door and just kind of just go, you know, hopping along, doesn't it? Anybody ever tried that? <laughs> okay. Hopefully you had a parachute maybe, I hope. <laughs> you know, if you did that, we all know kind of what would happen. You'd get to that cloud and very quickly you would be passing through the cloud at probably a high rate of speed and plummeting towards earth. Because it's just, it's, it's, it's an appearance of something stable. It's an appearance of something that we could just step out on and it would support us and we could just kind of walk along. But we know the truth, if we ever, if you drive through fog or whatever, that's pretty much what a cloud is. And it's, it's, it's sort of a vapor. It's just there, but it's not, it's not sustainable or su substantial. And so this is the idea of, of, of what this, this meaningless or vanity means uh, throughout Ecclesiastes. And so as we're talking today, and, and again, the title of this message is Full of Emptiness, as we looked at that picture as we started, <clears throat> I want to touch on three things from Ecclesiastes as, as the, the author addresses these three things. And the first one is, is kind of interesting because I think we all probably seek this, and we've all heard this as a very good thing, and it is a good thing. But the first thing I want to touch on is, is what, what I would call the emptiness of wisdom. And again, Wisdom is a good thing, right? I think all of us would agree. But chapter 1 begins with a, a poem in Ecclesiastes. And so when you read it and it seems kind of like, wow, this is interesting. Well, it's, it's a poem. It's supposed to be somewhat, you know, uh, have imagery and things like that. But then towards the end of chapter 1, uh, it gets to, to the, the, what, what they say is the, are the limitations of wisdom. Amassing wisdom, uh, and, and, and it, it, that's what it's touching on. And... Again, I think that there are wise people. Hopefully, you know at least one wise person. Maybe it's a grandfather. Maybe it's somebody that you, a, a parent. Maybe it's someone in your life that you can go to, and they're, they're just wise. Um, but in Ecclesiastes 1 and, and chapter uh, 1, verses 16, we'll, we'll start there. Um, it says this. It says, I said in my heart, <clears throat> I have acquired great wisdom, and this is the teacher speaking, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. Okay, so they, this person is wise. I mean, they're beyond their years. They've, they've, they've studied, they've searched, and they have this, this ton of wisdom uh, pouring out of them. And, and they go on and they say, and I applied my heart to know three things, and these are the three things we're gonna touch on. Is, is the first one is wisdom, and to know madness, and to know folly, all right? I mean, that's a, that's a bucket list right there, right? I don't know if anybody else would want to go for those, but they want, what they want to do is what they're saying. I'm going to run these things to the ground. I'm going to know every single one of these things to the fullest and then see where I am. And he goes on, he says, I perceived that this also is but a striving after wind. Again, that breeze blowing again right now. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Now, that's an interesting statement, isn't it? I mean, again, I, I, I could be wrong, but, you know, I think all of us have heard, you know, you, you need to not just be smart, but to be wise is, is a good thing. You know, we seek out wisdom. 
But here's, here's the point that's, that's trying to be put across here, is that wisdom just by itself does not bring pleasure. It only brings more suffering because one begins to understand how impossible it is to profit from the world in its current condition. You know, it's funny, if I talk to my eight-year-old son, Joshua, and, you know, the, the simplicity that he sees life, right? Because at that age, we just don't understand, right? We don't understand what it takes, you know? He thinks every time we go to the store, like, we can just pick anything we want that, that he wants, and it just magic. I just take this plastic card on my wallet, and we just, they give it to us when I put my plastic card in there. He does not understand that my bank account continues to go down significantly, it seems like, lately with him. Um, every time that we purchase one of those, he doesn't, he doesn't get that. And so, again, he sees life, but he sees it from a very simple standpoint. He, he has not uh, developed wisdom, though we are working uh, very hard at that with him. But he has not understood that. Because what happens with wisdom, we understand, and, you know, I guess I'll call it wisdom here, but, you know, I know what happens when I swipe my card. I know that my bank account is less than when I walked in the store. And I don't know about you, but that's sorrowful for me. <laughs> All right? I mean, I wish it was just magic and you just do that and they, yeah, that's a nice card. You can have this. Just take it. But no, it, it, there's a cost, and I understand what's happening. And so, again, what the, the, the writer here is trying to get across is that wisdom by itself, if we just seek to attain wisdom and that's all, it will leave us empty at some point because we understand that no matter what we do or what we know, even if we dodge sort of the landmines in life, if you will, it's still going to lead to the same thing. You know, we still, those three things that we talked about, you know, we're, we're still going to have to cross death's door, if you will, or we're still, we can't get past maybe pain and suffering, can we? Something's going to happen, the, the, the randomness of life as it seems. And so wisdom, again, in itself does not fill us. It will leave us empty. Though good, and I want to say that five more times, again, seek wisdom. I've said this before, you know, one of the, the, the greatest challenges I think in our culture right now is we just have a lot of people who are smart because they can Google something and get an answer, but that is not wisdom, is it? You know when you're sitting with somebody who's wise because you just want to sit there and you just want to listen to every single thing that they say because it's just like they give these pearls of wisdom to you. And so, you know, when we listen and when we're seeking wisdom, that's great and wisdom is good, but wisdom in itself will leave us empty. The second point I want to touch on today is what I would call the emptiness of pleasure. The emptiness of pleasure. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it says, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also is vanity. This word vanity is that word hevel, right? That, that, that kind of like a vapor. So with pleasure, enjoy it but it, it, it's like a vapor, it goes. I said of laughter, it is mad of, of pleasure, and mad of pleasure, sorry, it is mad and of pleasure. What use is it? He says, I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. Again, you know, we seek to just be uh, enjoy things, enjoy life. And again, is there anything wrong with enjoying life? <laughs> no, there's not. 
God has made this earth. He, he put us on this earth, and he's made creation. And, you know, we're sitting out here just surrounded by this, this beauty and this, this, this lawn with these wonderful places and shops. And, and they, they bring wonderful um, enjoyment to us. They bring pleasure, and it's, it's, it's great. But the thing is, is again, is, is that our goal? Is that our aim? Wisdom, joy, and pleasure are not necessarily bad in and of themselves. Instead, it is the pursuit solely of these with the hope of gain is, is, is as hevel, is as vapor or pointless. The reward for chasing joy when measure, is when measured by the, what the cost was, uh, and, and it's not sustainable, okay? Joy in itself cannot be the object of our reward. It, it cannot be the destination, so uh, a while back, uh, has anybody ever visited the Ark in Kentucky? It's not the actual Ark, just so you know. I found that out. I was a little disappointed. I don't know about you, but just kidding. I knew it wasn't. But, um, but they built this replica of, of Noah's Ark in, in Kentucky, and um, it was, it's pretty amazing to just the size of it when you go through it and things like that. But I don't know if it happened to you, but when we walked in, or we were, we were close, and I think we were just coming in, and there was uh, this, this person with a camera, and they had a green screen behind us, right? And so they get you, you know, they stop you, you know, they track you down, chase you down, and they, they take your picture, right? And, and then they, they walk you over to the screen, and suddenly, you know, we're standing on the screen. It shows a picture of our group, our, our family standing there with the ark behind us. And we can pick if it's daytime, if it's lit up at night, you know. And it's like, you know, we wanted to get the picture of us in front of the ark. <laughs> and so how strange would it have been for me to sit there and say, that's what we came for. Let's just buy that and head on out before we go through the ark or see the ark in its fullness. We got the picture. Let's just go ahead. <laughs> that would not have made sense, right? I mean, it's just it would have fallen short. Um, and so that was not our destination. Our destination, so to speak, was to see the ark, to see the intricacies, to experience it and go through it and, and get our pictures, not just simply have it sort of photoshopped in behind us and call it a day so we have the picture on our wall. And this is how it is when we begin to pursue pleasure or joy in and of itself is that that is never designed to be the destination. And if I can use that same kind of picture of us on that vacation, you know, the true joy, and probably hopefully for all of you, depending on how your kids are in the car, but the true joy of going on vacation all times is the journey. I don't know about you, you know, especially after living overseas, but we just love to drive and, and go and just see our, our beautiful country and all of the things that it offers and it's just really, and it's enjoyable. We have, that's how you make those memories. And so, again, it's the journey a lot of times that brings that joy. We're not seeking the joy, but it comes as a part of it. Sometimes we think that when, when Christians talk about pleasure or joy, they mean being joyful and reading their Bibles or meditating or serving, which we certainly do take pleasure in these things, but not to the exclusion of other activities. God has also created us for fellowship with others, and also for, for recreation, for enjoyment. God has created us to enjoy things. Maybe you've heard of, of hedonism, and this is simply the pursuit of pleasure or sensual self-indulgence. And that's, again, we see a lot of people going down this road. It's what feels good and, and what's great for me, and, and as long as I'm enjoying myself, that I don't really care about anything else. In Psalm 1611 it says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, get this, in your presence there is fullness of joy. 
In your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So anything that is good, that is experienced outside of God, is, is something that is falling short of what true joy and true pleasure really is. Do you know, my wife used to work in the bank, and you know how they train tellers to recognize counterfeit money? They, have them, they never put a counterfeit bill in their hand. They simply have them continue to count the real money, and pretty soon you know what is authentic. A, a teller can tell what is authentic and what is counterfeit because by the feel. Not because they've handled the substitute, but because they've been exposed to what is true and what is real so much that they recognize the fake. But there's many of us today that are walking around thinking we're experiencing fullness of joy, but we've sold ourselves short. We've handled the counterfeit version for so long that we don't understand what that fullness of joy really is, is supposed to be and what it looks like. And it can only come through Christ. So again, we've talked about this emptiness of wisdom, this emptiness of pleasure. And, and lastly today, I want to talk about one last thing, which is the emptiness of possessions. And as you go on in chapter 2, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 4 through 11, it says this, I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools for which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I also had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. And again, this, this image really, or this, this description really can describe, and this is why a lot of people think this is uh, King Solomon, because this is sort of the life he had built for himself. You want to talk about wealth and riches and having everything the world has to offer. I mean, this list is, is pretty significant. And so, again, we see every sense here being satisfied. We see, you know, the sight, the sense of sight, smell, taste, touch here. Every sense in, in essence, is, is, is met by this description of, of the, what this person is describing. In fact, it's almost reminiscent of the Garden of Eden, isn't it? All of the things there, the animals, the, the beauty, the scenery, the gardens. You know, we can almost say that it was, it was, it was very similar. But what was, what was missing in this list? God. God was missing. There was no sense of, of God being present, of having relationship with God. And that's, that's the point of this. And, 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 and as the, the writer here continues in verse 9, it says, So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. And here's this wisdom again. Also, my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil and this was my reward for my toil. Again, here's a person, and, and there's nothing wrong with working hard, and I hope you hear what I'm saying today. There's nothing wrong with hard work. I think it's good. I think we all should do it. Just keep in mind that pleasure only lasts for a moment. It only lasts for a moment. 
I think about my, my kids, all of my sons, uh, they love Legos, right? Especially when they were younger, the older two. And, you know, they had to have this set. We buy the set, they put it all together. It maybe stays together for a, a month. And then it's either broken down or it gets pushed back in the back of the closet. We got to get the next set. And it's cool. They put it together. It's fun. And then it's sort of shoved to the side and they got to get the next one. It's, it's just this like cycle, isn't it? Some of us do it with cars, right? Right? <laughs> you got that one car that you like or you want, you buy that, and you're like, after a while, it just becomes normal. And you're like, well, maybe, you know, it's, it's a new year, it's a new model. I like that. Maybe that'll, and we just kind of keep going. And it can be anything. It can be anything. It can be clothing. It can be anything. We just, we keep going looking for this satisfaction, but it just flee, it's fleeting, isn't it? I, um, I owned a motorcycle for a few months back when Leanne and I were first married. I never had had one when I was young, and I mean, I had my, my eyes set. It was a Suzuki Gixxer 750. It was fast. It was fun. Um, but hey, guys, if you ever get one of those and you're married, don't ever Google how to wheelie your Gixxer 750 and leave it on the computer and your wife find it. That was a bad day, but we're still married. After a lot of counseling, it was good. Um, but no, but I had this motorcycle, and you know what? After a while, I mean, it was fun to ride with the other guys at, at, in the, the military I, I rode with, but after a while, it was like, okay, you know, I still enjoyed it, but it didn't have that same, like, wow, you know, I could go a week or two weeks without riding it and not even kind of notice, but it just, it's amazing how things fade after you have attained them. And so in verse 11, it says, then I considered all that my hands had done. And the toil I had expended in doing it, and here it is, and behold, all was vanity, all was hevel, all was fleeting, and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. It's kind of depressing in one sense, but it's also something I think that we always have to keep in mind as, as we are pursuing things, because it's so easy it's so easy just to get that hair off course, to, to lose sight of what it is that truly brings joy and truly brings fullness to our life and fulfillment. Because what can start out as something great, you know, and maybe we're doing it for the Lord, maybe God's called us to do something, if it becomes, that becomes, that thing becomes our idol. If that thing become, becomes our, our goal instead of pursuing God, it all becomes like the wind. And that's, that's what the author is trying to get across to us today. Wisdom, pleasure, and possessions, they can all leave us feeling empty if God is not in there. As we prepare to, to bring things to a, to a close today, and I just want to share just a few more thoughts with you. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, there's, I'm not going to read it all, but kind of our answer of what we're looking for. So, so, so what? So, so what do I do? So what is my life supposed to be about? What's supposed to be important? What's supposed to be top priority? In Ecclesiastes 12, uh, he, in verse 1, he says this. He says, Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. And he goes on, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. And, and he goes on and ex expresses basically this, this end of life. But he says to remember your creator in your youth. That's how he starts out this part in, in verse 1. And in verse 7, to jump back in, and he finishes this list. And he says, and the dust returns to the earth as it was 
which is us returning to the earth, our bodies. And the spirit returns to God who gave it. And he says, vanity of vanities, says the preacher. It's all vanity. These things are all but a breath. And then he goes on and he finishes it in verse 13. And here's, here's the point of everything that's been said today. The end of the matter, all has been heard. And so here's the full presentation. He's gone through all these things. And he says this, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. That's what our life should be about, church. That's what our life should be uh, geared towards, is, is putting God as priority in our lives, making God the top priority, seeking God, pursuing him. But so many times, and myself included, I can get, get off course a little bit. I can kind of veer a little bit. And in the end, you know, we've heard today that anytime we, we aim towards something other than God, whether it's wisdom, pleasure, possessions, or anything, we fall short and we're left wanting. The whole point of Ecclesiastes is to bring us to the place of understanding that we are living in a world of heaven, in a world of, of vapor, of things that look so wonderful, like you can, like those clouds you can you can step on, and when you go to reach for it, it just disappears. The reality is, is we have absolutely no control over what happens to us. And this is something I just see so many battling with. Because we can do a lot of things. We can, you know, we can take our precautions and we can do what we can do to try to control our environment and our world. But the reality is, is this life can come crashing in at any moment, can't it? As I shared with you earlier, that, that, that service I did, the, the memorial service for that, that woman that was murdered. Do you think she woke up that morning knowing that it was going to be her last day on earth? And she may have had every single thing in place to control her life that she, you know, I'm sure she had plans for, for years, maybe decades to come. Investments, whatever it was, a home. But in a moment, in a breath, it was over. It was done. And that is, again, we've got to come back and we have to see and know we don't have control over our lives, no matter how much we think we do. All we can do is control our attitude towards the things in our lives. Control belongs to one person, and that is God alone. Most people do not wake up in the morning saying, this will be my last day, this will be my, my last moments on earth. God knows, though. He, he sees us from beginning to the end. Again, I don't, I don't want us to misunderstand when we read this or hear this that life is meaningless. But the, the point is that true meaning in life only comes as we trust and obey God. We must look to the one who was and is greater than King Solomon or anybody else ever was. He is greater because he made himself really to be the least, didn't he? When Jesus came to earth, he came not to serve, but to be served. Or not to be served, but to serve, to be a servant. We see that throughout Scripture. can see from Matthew 5 that those who tr are truly happy and blessed are the ones who, as he puts it, are poor in spirit, who mourn, who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, and who are persecuted for Christ's sake as they take up their cross and follow him. And these are what we call the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. 
that should be our goal. That should be our heart. We don't need to be caught up in the things of this world. We just need to be caught up in the things of God and what is God calling us to. I started today with this picture, you know. You know, this picture, the, the beauty of this picture, as we said, it's, it's empty or it's full of emptiness. Is that this picture is also ready to be filled, isn't it? This picture has, has room or has a place to be filled. And the one thing is, this is not my picture, this is the church's, so I'm not going to smash it on the ground and put a hole in it. But we, this isn't an accurate picture because we are called broken vessels, aren't we? And I really believe that, you know, God does a lot and he, he binds up wounds and he helps us get past things in our past. But also, I think, I, think, I think we're always sort of leaking. And I think that's by purpose because God wants to continue to fill us and to have room. And the only way that we can live a life that's overflowing is for God to continually be filling. And the minute we try to fill ourselves with somebody else or something else, it just starts to lower that level until we are once again full of emptiness. I think only when we get the right answer to the question that Jesus posed to Peter on the side of the, the Sea of Galilee there after his resurrection, he said this to Peter. He's like, do you love me more than these? John 21, 15. Do you love me more than these? And, and there's a little bit of debate on who, what he was referring to. Was it the fish? Was it the other disciples? But I really believe that's our question that God is asking us today. Do you love me more than these? Whatever that is for you, do you love me more than this, than this thing, than this stuff, than this person even. That is the question that we have to wrestle with. Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. God, I thank you for, Lord, just this time to be outside, to be uh, just enjoying, Lord, your, your creation. God, thank you for this breeze, Lord. What a, probably the best illustration we could have asked for as we think about, Lord, Ecclesiastes and how things uh, just are, are fleeting, so many things, the things of this earth, just like this breeze that comes for a moment, but then it's gone. God, we know that, that you have created us, Lord, to be in relationship with you. And God, we just pray, Lord, that you would forgive us for those places in our life where we've tried to fill up on things that will leave us empty, that will leave us wanting. And God, we pray for those, Lord God, that don't know you as Lord and Savior. God, who have spent their life, Lord God, trying to amass things, trying to, 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 to build the appearance, or at least to themselves, that they have some sort of control over their life. God, may you show us, Lord God, may you help us to see with clear eyes that you alone are the giver of life, that you alone see things from beginning to end, that you alone are eternal. And God, may we turn our hearts to you today. God, again, may, may we learn that from, from being with you and being in your presence, Lord God, that, that that be the authentic joy and fullness that we seek every single day, that we don't settle for a substitute, but God, that we seek your face, that we seek the person and who you are. And if you're here in this place today and within the sound of my voice and, and you've not made a decision to allow Jesus to enter your life, to be your Lord and Savior, I would encourage you today to make that decision, to make that proclamation, to, to, to realize that you need a Savior, that, that you do not have control, 
that you do not have, have, have it figured out from beginning to end. And it's as simple as, as confessing your sin, acknowledging Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, realizing he was crucified on the cross and rose on the third day. Again, as I often say, the simplest prayer you can pray, but it's also the most challenging. Because being a Christian, being a disciple is identified by carrying your cross. So it's it's hard, but it's worth it every single step. And if you're in this place today, if you're here today and you feel that life is a bit empty, I would invite you to consider the missing piece of Jesus Christ to come in and be a part of that and to fill you. And he will. He will. Lord, we thank you again just for this time, for this message. God, I pray that it has its way deeper into our hearts, Father God, that it be something that we would truly take inventory of our lives and what it is we're chasing, what it is we're serving, what it is that we're making important for. And if anything stands above you in our relationship with you, God, may we repent and turn our hearts to you. God, we thank you for this. We thank you for this.